Everybody and welcome back to thedustalprods.com movies and a television podcast. It's been a while. I would have done a bit, but Cave wouldn't have gone along with it. I might have. You don't know. I do know because last time I did a bit, you were like, "No." <laughs> what year is it? Yes. For how long hath I slumbered? And was like, That's actually one of the reasons why it's been so long. I slept through one of our recording times. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and completely forgot that I was supposed to be recording that day. So I just rolled over. <laughs> and I still feel terrible about it. Hey, it's fine. I've done that more than once. <laughs> I've it, yeah, it's happened multiple times where I've just like woken up, look over my phone. I have 19 text messages and three missed calls. <laughs> from birdie at least you haven't done that for D yet have not have not done that for D yet. almost did it once <laughs> almost but anyway i'm dead we got cave here hi hey, we're here to talk about fucking like movies and stuff all the importantest of stuffs yes we've seen some things i've seen some things i watched things and some of the things I've seen have put things in perspective a bit. Oh, no. So let me start out by saying this will be the whitest thing I have ever said in my entire life. <laughs> oh, that I, I find that hard to believe because I know how white you are, but go ahead. <laughs> well, golly gee, it can be scary sometimes to be black. <laughs> <coughs> yeah yeah that's the whitest thing any of the white people i know has ever said <laughs> um, and i know some very very white people because i've been watching lovecraft country <laughs> lovecraft country for those who don't know is a new series i believe it's an hbo series yeah, it's an hbo series um based on a novel that combines Ooh. The, I'm lightheaded after that yeah, laughing fit. That combines the eldritch horror of H.P. Lovecraft with the just general horror of being black in the Jim Crow South. We know, according to history books, it was not fun being black in that era. And only that era. Things have only gotten better. Honestly, things have gotten better. They have it gotten better, but still not great. Like it. <laughs> it just doesn't feel like it, because fucking Christ, I can't breathe. Yeah. <sighs> at least sundown towns aren't a thing anymore. I don't, at least, at least as far as we know of, they aren't. Yeah. Cause there still might be one or two knocking around out there. And if you live in one, please inform the proper authorities, get in contact with someone who can help you. Yes. It is so very, how the hell are you listening to this? If you live in one of those places, it is very unlikely that someone could put up a billboard that says, that says, N-words, be out of town by sundown or I'll kill you. And have that be something that the city approves of. 
Oh yeah, yeah. The, that last part is the is the nail in the coffin. Because <laughs> up until then, I was like, no, 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 that that's a thing. That yeah, could be a thing. No, that, that that'd be hundred percent a thing. But then everybody would be like, hey, boo this man. Boo on you, boo. Yeah, as opposed to in Lovecraft Country and the actual past, where that's just a thing that happens. Yeah, kinda. Yeah, so Lovecraft Country. Um, the world, real world's depressing. Yes, it very much is. So much so that when the Eldritch Abomination showed up, I breathed a sigh of relief. Jesus Christ, that is dark. It really is. Oh, man, that is dark. Yeah, I'll explain the context for that in a second, but let me just get into the actual like, discussing the show itself. Uh, so yeah, um, HBO series uh, based off of a novel, uh, and it is about a man by the name of Atticus Freeman, also known as Tick. He had just come back from the war, <sighs> and then got and got a letter from his father, his estranged father, uh, saying, "Hey, I'm in Artem country," uh, which he which he originally thinks which he originally thinks says Arkham, because you know Lovecraft. Uh, and so then it is him, his uncle, and a like childhood friend of his. Uh, the three of them going out on the road. The, the uncle uh, on going out on the road because he is writing a Chicago version of the Negro's Guide to Safe Travel. Um, for Just so you guys know, that's not a racist thing. That's an actual historical thing. Yes, uh, there was a... Was- it's, like it was kind of essential for a black person traveling in the South to have that because yes, it lets you know yeah. where you won't get lynched for showing up. Yes, the real version of it, which is what I said, um, it is it was also called the Green Book, uh, which is what which is what that movie that won an Oscar last year, well, a couple years ago, one was based on, and it was essentially just a list of towns and businesses where you could be black and be relatively safe. It listed places to avoid. It listed like hotels that would accept you, whether they like charge more and stuff. And he, and it was, and then in this thing, in, in Lovecraft Country, um, Tick's uncle, George, he is writing one of those, but based out of Chicago. It is an absolute shame that those had to be written. Yeah, it is. <laughs> in the first place. Yeah, it is, it is this like. Equally saved a lot of lives. Yeah, it is this e- saved a lot of lives. It is this equally very interesting and very depressing piece of historical trivia. I'm just hey, of hey, hey, these books existed. Isn't that super neat and horribly fucked up? Isn't it wonderfully interesting and depressing at the same time? Yeah. Why does, are you depressed? Doesn't it make you want to just like smile on the countryside before shooting yourself in the fucking face? Doesn't it just want to make you curl up under a blanket and go back to sleep for, you know, the rest of September? Yeah, just... You know, just wake me up when September ends. Yeah, just, just get to there and just scream. Curl up in a nice warm blanket and just cry. Reality is the real eldritch horror. Basically, because, like, that first episode of this show, it's, I believe, three to four episodes deep now. I'm only on episode three. And it fucking goes, dude. And for anyone listening who doesn't know this... H.P. Lovecraft was a giant racist, so it's actually extra, like, interesting that this is from a black perspective. 
Yeah. They actually bring that up in the show itself. Like like a like a Tick reads a lot of like a Tick reads a lot of like a pulp fantasy novels. He's introduced reading John Carter of Mars. Oh. Good choice. And he actually and he actually like starts out well, the show actually starts with him having this like massive dream sequence where he is like, you know, running through the trenches and stuff, and then looks out and then sees fucking Cthulhu's and shit and like the fucking spaceships from the day from not the day of the earth still, um War of the Worlds. There's just like these things like flying around, like destroying fucking armies and stuff, and then um a fucking red skinned woman from Mars comes down and it's like, hey, and and then they start like getting it on or whatever, and they get attacked by Cthulhu, but don't worry, Jackie Robinson's there to save the day. That's how the show starts. This seriously this this serious ish horror series starts with a dream sequence where Jackie Robinson fights Cthulhu in order to save a World War II soldier and his painted red Asian girlfriend. You know. Four kids? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't I don't know, man. But anyway, um <laughs> Yeah, the things immediately take a dark, take a harsh turn when the bus that Tick is on breaks down, and then he and an elderly black woman are left having to walk miles to the nearest town because the truck that came to pick everyone up didn't take black people. You know, because the past and the South. Oh, and uh, white people who say racism doesn't exist anymore. And yes, there are some. I actually had to stop interacting with a friend because they were one of these people. This still happens. Yeah, yeah, people will still go... Preconceived notions based on race are still very much a thing. Little old lady will still cross the street when a black man walks up and grasp me and just, like, will clutch her purse. But anyway. Yes, he gets back to Chicago, uh, meets up with the family, and he goes like, uh, his Uncle George's place... Which is a garage, which is a garage on top of his little publishing, whatever. And he has a copy of like HP Lovecraft stories because this is apparently like apparently Tick got his like love of pulp literature from his uncle, and pulls it out, starts talking to Uncle George about it, and then he says, he says that he says that like when his dad caught him reading Lovecraft for the first time, he read him the poem on the creation of N words, which is a real poem. That really yeah. exists. It is six lines. It is written by a seven-year-old. But no, but no, it's apparently written by H.P. Lovecraft. That's great. It is the most um, fucking basic, like, A-A-B-B rhyming scheme. Six goddamn lines. I fucking hate it. And it rhymes the N-word with figure. <laughs> figure <laughs> yeah like that's that's the thing like, like if, if, if he had been like some fucking deep south motherfucker i could have seen that being a rhyme but no he was some fucking like northerner asshole so he would have said figure oh, unless man. he added unless he added that fucking your sound there to the n-word <laughs> <laughs> nigger <laughs> Uh, like that is a soft rhyme at best. That that's is, a t- no, that's not even a soft rhyme. 
That is a hip hop rhyme. That's what that is. Yeah, that is a hip hop rhyme. Oh man. But um so this is actually an important topic that I have had to talk to my wife about recently that I feel I need to make uh clear to everyone. It's not racist to appreciate a racist's work. It's called appreciating the work, not the creator. But keep in mind that Lovecraft's work is largely just kind of okay. Yeah. I enjoy his universe and some of the stories, but I more enjoy the stuff people have created from it. But you can enjoy a racist's work while still despising the individual. It's just best to let them die first so they don't get any of your money. Yeah. Same for a rapist. Same for... Now... If your friend was abused by the particular rapist, you shouldn't watch the movie with them. Yeah, probably not. But, like, it is okay to enjoy works made by horrible people. Just, you know, remember, this person is terrible. I'll still enjoy it. Like, Yep, I, I remember. I remember fondly, and I discussed it on this show, my experience watching Chinatown. just fuck man and a racist work should not just be deleted from the public conscience because it is important to understand where we came from just don't think like they did yeah so anyway lovecraft country yeah so tick his uncle and uh they and his friend leticia uh the three of them go out onto the road trying to fucking uh just like find tick's dad and I have not seen a more tense driving or diner sequence than I think I that I think I think I've seen in the show that I've seen in any other thing. Because like them just driving around, them just being in these areas has this like palpable sense of just dread throughout everything they do. Even though what they're doing is just driving. All right. Dead. I actually want to t- take a pause for a moment. Okay. Because this is this is going to be a sec- segment on racism. Now, I am a white-looking black man. That is, that means I am a black man with pale skin who could pass in most segments of society. I guess just for reference, I am incredibly white. The first time I ever drove through Mississippi with a friend, I refused to get out of the car. I slunk down in my seat, I hid behind a book, and I remained quiet. The entire And you know me, Dead. Yeah. The people who are listening know me. I don't go quiet. He unless does I'm not. bored. I remained almost silent the entire time we were going through Mississippi. Because I was terrified of a cop pulling us over, seeing my white friend and seeing me. And then saying, you're a black man, let me do the thing that Mississippi does. Because I had been taught my entire life that being a black person, Mississippi was one of the most dangerous places to drive through. That has changed somewhat. There's a new state that's now the most dangerous state to drive through as a black person, but I don't live anywhere near it, so I don't have to know which one it is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. But that feeling of dread that you got 
is the kind of feeling that black people get every time they have to pass through one of those areas. And there are just like areas, even within like pre like cities, even within New Orleans, which is possibly one of the most forward thinking areas. There have been like, yeah, we just don't go down that block moments. Yeah. Because there will be like a pocket of racism where it's like, no, we don't interact with that. My school, I went to a, uh, I went to a private Lutheran school, elementary, and the all white staff thought it would be a great idea to take their primarily black students to a plantation. Jesus. For those of you who don't know, plantations were largely managed by slaves. Holy shit. Black people. Holy shit. And while the teachers were like, and this is an important part of history, while we go through and see, this is how the white people lived. Oh, and there were slaves. Like, this wasn't one of those plantations that was like, yeah, this is dedicated to the horrors of being a slave. We're going to acknowledge every horrible thing our ancestors did. Here's how the genteel Southerners took their tea. Yeah, this was a quaint white people myself and all of the other black kids. There were like two white kids who were just awkward and nervous the entire time (laughs) because they were just like, uh, should we be talking about this guys? uh, Um, I feel like all of the black kids stone faced, not happy. And (sighs) that was the one time where we got like, that was the one time where we got field trip homework and every black kid did it. Because the homework was to write about our feelings, about how we felt about the field trip. Holy shit. The school never took another plantation field trip. Holy shit. Why did they take one? As long as I was there, never uh, took another plantation field trip. Like, son of a bitch. You'd think one person would have been like, hey, um, maybe no? Like, being a black person, dealing with that shit, it's not easy. Yeah, I yeah, because I have like there have been days when I have looked at the white people around me and been like motherfucking racist, <laughs> and they did nothing. They did nothing to deserve that. But I have been raised to look at white people and say, "You guys enslaved us." <laughs> like, and most of the white people I know are decent folk. I know a lot of great white people. I'm talking to one right now. Hi. But they're like that part. And there's a, that's a fucking reason why we don't like it. When white people bring it up, (laughs) like we try and get past that shit. And you guys are like, remember when we hold, when we held you in slavery, it's like fucking yes, we do. Yeah. (laughs) It's not really something you forget. It's not really like a, it's not really like everyone slaves were a thing. Fuck. I knew I was forgetting something. My great, great grandchildren are probably going to be upset about it. Oh Yeah. Especially because we didn't get our 40 acres and a fucking mule. (laughs) I'm still mad. (laughs) I'll take one. One acre. I don't even want the mule. Personally, I'd rather have the mule. I want land to build a house on. Fair enough. But like. Mule just seems a bit more practical to me. (laughs) Oh. So yeah, racism. Oh, it's not a fun topic. It's not not a fun topic. No, it is not. And support Black Lives Matter because it. Yes, whenever definitely. you say all lives matter, you're basically saying only white people matter. So go fuck off. 
yeah, like, like Black Lives Matter does not mean that only Black Lives Matter. It is just Black Lives Matter too. Yeah, it's like yes, all lives should matter. So why don't black people's and all the other races that get racism? But black yeah. people are the one that are in the forefront of this right now. So yeah. But any anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's a thing that I was thinking like very strongly about like watching the show because it also like sent me flashbacks to uh, blind spotting. Uh, for those who don't know, Blind Spotting is a movie um, written by and starring David Diggs and Raphael Castle. Uh, the two of them are like childhood friends. They grew up together. They've rapped together. They they're both from Oakland. And the movie is about uh, David's character. Like so, David is black. Raphael is white. And the movie is about like David's character seeing a unarmed black man running for his life, being gunned down by the police. And then it's just slow unraveling as he's just realizing the world he's living in and what his best friend is. Because his best friend, uh, Raphael Castle, he, he acts like the kind of person that cops think black people are. Mm-hmm. And he's safe to do that because he's white. Yep. And the end of the movie is just this like ridiculously fantastic, like spoken word verse of David with a gun pointed at the cop that he watched kill a guy. And essentially it's like, essentially it's like him. The, the, like they, they mentioned it earlier in the movie, but the only time white people listen to black people is when like they put some bounce to it. You know, make it smooth for him is I think is the, like what they've said, in the, what they said in the movie, which is basically just white people only listen to, will only listen to the plight of black people when it is either in a song or in, like a movie or some shit or a poem. Yeah, exactly. And it's not wrong. Nope, not wrong at all. I'm sitting here like it got to you, didn't it? Yeah, it's it's the thing. It's the white privilege just going like, "Fuck, he's right." Just because, like, in my day to day life, sit, like I'm just sitting here silently, like I know, like just mm-hmm. just, just it's like getting as, you, ain't just like it's like I don't think about that stuff all the time because I'm white. I'm in Canada. We don't... I've never had to even think about dealing with shit like that. And the only times I really think about it is through the media I consume because you know, it's 2020. You consume media from a lot of different sources and there is a and like black people have this bizarre place in like media where they say the stuff that like the, that like they talk about and discuss issues that like every black person is facing but only they are actually listened to and only for like 20 seconds because they're able to put it in a way that is appealing to fucking honkies. <laughs> Black people don't call pe- white people honkies. No, I call them honkies. <laughs> yeah. oh, Me as a white person calls people calls white people honkies. It's ju- oh, it's just a thing of like it's just it's just that it's just that regular reminder and realization that as a white person, I'm more likely to listen to a dude rapping about being shot by the police than I am to think about than I than I am to listen to a person who was actually shot by the police. 
it's why for people like you, people who get most of their like information from the media they absorb, it's very important to watch black stories. Yeah, and However, I've, I, this is a message. This to. is a message to other black people. Stop trying to make me watch those depressing ass movies. I'm black. I already get it. Yeah, and I'm like I'm, I, I've been doing. I suffer from depression. I don't need it. Yeah, I have been making an effort to like actually look into like real life stories. Like I've been like, it's it's a fucking toxic fucking goddamn place. But Twitter actually does do a decent job, like signal boosting, like just actual videos of just black people talking about what they want and how they feel about the world. And I see, and I end up seeing a lot. Of, I've, I've made an effort to look into those, look into this stuff, look into the protests and all this other, all this other shit. I've made an effort to look more into like these cases just, just to be, just to be informed, just so that I can say larger than myself. I, I have an idea of what's going on and I'm making an active effort to be more well-informed. And thank you for that, Dad. Yeah, it's, it is quite literally the least I could do. Yeah. But it's more than a lot of people do. Isn't that depressing? Yeah. So anyway, they get trapped in a sundown county. <laughs> oh. Oh man. Like, like getting in. You, you know. You know what? You what? know what? I'm just gonna like, like for for like, like let's like let's just take another step back. Um. It's this is okay, by the way, guys. It's called humor to diffuse the situation, <laughs> and given the shit that we were just talking about, I needed it. <laughs> Cause like I said, like I said just a little while ago, I already suffer from depression. So yep. like I kinda need that. Like, so they get trapped in a sundown uh, sundown county. It was like that made me laugh. So like alright, you can continue. Yeah, it's yeah, like this this follows right after like they went they went to a diner. And actually, I have one more thing to say. Okay. To all you white listeners, that uncomfortable feeling you had while we were talking about racism and all that stuff, that's my life. Yeah. So welcome to the feeling. <laughs> like, get used to it. Because until Black Lives Matter is a resolved issue, I'm hoping that you guys are going to be feeling it every day just so that you can understand us a little bit better. All right. Now we can continue. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's like they, they go to like this diner. And turns out the diner used to be black owned before they for the white folks set it on fire and remade it. Lovely. Yeah. Uh they all get the fuck out of there in a very thrilling car chase. Uh before they get saved by a random white lady in a silver Cadillac, which causes the car full of gunmen to flip without touching it. As in she uses spe- special powers? Well, like so so the car pulls in so the car like skids in front of it to like to, like do some kind of like weird like pit maneuver barricade thing. But then the car but then the, like the truck with the gunman slams into nothing about a foot away from the car. Like uh tick and tick and tick and them, they don't see it because they're on the other side of the fucking Cadillac. Or whatever, they're the fuck car, kind of car it is. They just see this fucking car swerve in and then all of a sudden the fucking all of a sudden, a fucking pickup truck full of racists just crashes into it and flips over. And you're just like, oh, fuck, keep going. Don't look back. Don't look back. Uh, they eventually get into, like, the actual county where this town is and run across a sheriff they had been warned about. Who is 
Mm. 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 Just he. They they need to leave by sundown, and sundown is in seven minutes. They can't speed because the cop is on is on their ass the entire time. So it is this fucking amazing. It's this amazing low speed chase. They're going 25 miles an hour. Meanwhile, the cop is right behind them, fucking just bumping into them, trying to fucking make them speed up at all to break the speed limit. Just give him a reason to pull them over. Uh, that's not that's not realistic. The cop would just pull them over. Well, no. So. So, so they get so they get past the county line. It's like everything's fucking great. And then immediately past the county line is a barricade of cop cars. So the cop was just the cop was just torturing them. Just like, come on, do it, do it, do it. Oh, they managed to get through. All right, grab them, boys. Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, takes them out of the woods. Uh, about to fucking execute them. Fucking just, just they're down the ground. Just buckshot to the back of the head. And then a fucking shoggoth jumps out of the woods and eats one of the cops. And well, I was that's like, a way to cut the tension. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, oh, thank Christ. The Elder Torer, finally, save us from the racists. Which they straight up do. These fucking, like, the Shoggoth. So, are the Elder Gods the good guys? No. Because these things are essentially trained guard dogs of an old white ancient cult. Yeah, like like the entire like the entire time that they are like fighting off these fucking guys, um, the sheriff got like his arm almost ripped off, and then started turning into one of them. He ate the other deputy, and then dove out a fucking window. But then, uh, but then, luckily, uh, George, Tick, and Letitia—they all managed to actually just survive the night. But then waking up the ne- but then waking up um, the next day, uh, Letitia and George don't remember anything that happened. But Tick does for some okay. reason. Okay. Yes, it turns out that Tick is the descendant of the bastard child of the former white owner of the castle staying in and a slave of his. Okay. And the and the now and the ra- and the very racist white people living there need to use Tick's blood in order to open a portal to another dimension to grant them all immortality. The Shoggoths are their what? guard dogs. Uh, wh- what? It's some fucking Lovecraft shit. Just, it is, it is people, it is like people trying to reach out beyond their fucking grass, beyond the fucking stars to get, to gain gifts from these fucking eldritch beings. And then things go horribly wrong and they all die. But in this case, it seems like Tick had some kind of power of his own that he was able to use to fuck with the spell and turn them all to stone before the castle collapsed. I'm not 100% sure because, like, it's Tick. He is in between, like, these three Tesla coil, like, energy generators and this massive stone archway that's supposed to serve as the gateway. He starts being, like, electrocuted from the spell, which then, like, generates energy out of him that then flows into this portal to open it up. But then in his hand, this, like, cloudy black energy begins to like form up there. He holds it up and sees like a past reflection of the fucking slave that he was a descendant of escaping. 
and he like follows her ghost out of the building. Oh, that that's another bit of uncomfortable history. The vast majority of slaves didn't escape. We were still practically enslaved even after the Civil War. Yup. For decades. There's a reason we're still fighting for our fucking rights. Yeah. But yeah, it's this like whole weird thing where like Tick is this like descendant of this like old white like fucking like cult leader wizard man. Which then ties him into all these fucking ridiculous shit happening. Like that's like the reason that Tick didn't or the reason that Tick was able to remember the Shoggoth and everything is because he is a descendant of these fucking wizards. And it, yeah, it's this is neat. It brings like it brings this like whole other unique or like not unique. Um, it is it is helping me understand like Lovecraftian storytelling a bit better. Do I hear an Eldritch Horror campaign in our future? <laughs> I was actually yeah actually yeah I'm actually gonna be I'm I'm going to be say, I'm gonna be taking some time reading. Lovecraftian fiction, not Lovecraft fiction, Lovecraftian fiction, to just get a better idea of how those stories are written. Because you know, I'd rather I'd rather read Lovecraft. I'd rather read stories that were written in the style of Lovecraft, but just by better writers. Lovecraft was a great universe builder. He was a he was a decent idea man. Like, his universe is really interesting. His monsters are amazing. If a little racist. Yeah. If a lot racist. If very racist. Very racist. They're they're racist. His monsters are racist. Very racist. Um, (laughs) But, like, his his stories are poorly written. Yeah. The the fucking alchemist. Dead, Dead showed me a short story that he wrote a while ago. That is based on the idea and is infinitely better written and more fun to read than any of uh, than any of uh, HP's stuff. I did. Yeah, the one with the the one with the food. The one. With I think the you f- called it at the mouth of madness or something like that. Oh yes. Oh yeah. That yeah. That was a short story idea that I had come up with. Yeah. And you wrote out, I know, I'm pretty sure you wrote out some of it. And I, I enjoy, wrote nothing. I enjoyed, then I enjoyed you telling me the story. Yeah, it was, it was an um, excerpt from the journal of Professor um, Deborah McCain on her journey to the mouth of sadness. That was the working title. Yeah. It is a, it is an existentially, it is an existential horror story about me eating a little Debbie snack cake. It is brilliant. It was great, and I I had fun coming up with the food names afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking you, fucking uh, George DiGiorno, <laughs> and the DiGiorno family, including Little Pepper, yeah, his daughter Pepper. As <laughs> <laughs> you just slide a slice down your gullet. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> But no, yeah, like the thing about Lovecraft that works really well is that like sense of just this unknowing, unstoppable mass of horror just existing just beyond the periphery of human sight. Just this idea that there is just something out there that hates you. And that's why it works well for the racism stuff. Like the racism shit is legitimately terrifying. 
because it feels like everyone out there hates us. Yeah, exactly. It is it is like this very like palpable sense of just if we stop, we die. Which you know is only mildly depressing when you realize, oh, that's real. And it feels almost at odds with the Lovecraftian elements of it because like I said, when a fucking like demon dog with a thousand eyes jumps out of the goddamn woods and rips the fucking cop's head off, I shouldn't be going, oh, thank God they're safe. <laughs> oh. Another thing that's a little bit weird to me at least um, is the things they call Shoggoths are dogs almost like they're like they're like the size of like they're the size of like you know fucking two people duct taped together they have like fucking forearms and stuff but they run around on all fours um they and they like just are just wild animals whereas shoggoths i believe were originally described as amoebas with a thousand with thousands of interchangeable eyes and mouths See, I'm okay, I'm okay with that because one of the big things that happens with Eldritch Horror is things are kind of undescribable, which you need things to be like you need yeah. to be able to understand something if but one of the one of the tricks that I would use if I were in charge is every time I would change things. Just not not like the entire design's changed, but yeah, now they've got pseudopods. Now they've got extra eyes and the pseudopods are gone. Now the legs have been replaced by pseudopods and no, all like, of the eyes have vanished. No, like Shoggoths like are a thing that have been described. Yes, except I'm pretty sure like the description changed a few times. <laughs> it's not like the fishmen monsters. Yeah, it's not, not the deep ones. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me their name. I couldn't remember their name. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I it, it was just that one weird thing of just hey these these unknowable elders beings look very similar to doggos. And so that was a bit bit a bit of a letdown but and they and they show up and those things show up once more. And then the rest of it is just dealing with racists who are also magic. Which is always a great combo. Magic racism. Yeah. I've told you about the one idea I had. It's for one like of the reasons why I actively hate the fact that dwarves don't get magic in um, the Dragon Age universe. <laughs> it angers me. Yeah, I've told you the idea I had about the like the universe that I would never be able to create, right? Yeah, I think so. Would look just like the Native American magic that's just straight up real. Yep. Okay, good. Yeah, you told me about that. Ugh, I did not get enough sleep, even though I slept for like seven hours. But yeah, wow, with, I do not sleep. Yeah, with Lovecraft Country. Um, there, there's there's other stuff going on there too. Like, um, Tick has this recurring, uh, the recurring image of that Asian girl from the, from the beginning of the thing. Apparently, that was like a woman he met while in war. Because, because like she, she should. Uh, did you mention what year this is set in? Uh, nineteen fifty something. Okay, so World War Two. Yeah, world. Yeah, it's World War Two. <laughs> um. Yeah. Like. 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 The war ended, and then I believe Tick actually stayed in like Japan. It's probably better than being in America. Uh, yeah, totally. 
Uh, but yeah, and like he had this, he had this relationship with this girl. Um, she's played by I believe I believe I'm trying, I believe it's Jamie Chung. Well, let me double check that to make sure I'm not misremembering the name. That's racist. <laughs> yeah, Jamie He's Chung. That out before someone else does. Yeah, Jamie Chung. Um, people have seen her. I guess most recently, uh, she was. Uh, I believe it's Flick in The Gifted. Uh, the the teleporting one. He was one of the main oh. characters. He was one of the main characters in The Gifted. Oh, Blink. Yeah, she was the she was the weird like a. I never saw The Gifted, so it was fine. Yeah, that, that was like the thing she was most recently in. Uh, she also was Mulan in the Once Upon a Time series. <clears throat> Point is, she is a well-known Asian actress. And she she is she plays the uh, the Mars girl in the dream sequence, and then when Tick actually gets back home, he calls her in Japan and like fuck long distance charged, I guess. And when he calls her, she she says she's like she like answers in she answers in Japanese and goes like Tick is that you? You went home. You shouldn't have. And then he hangs up. So there's something going on there. And then maybe in, Eldritch power isn't just a white thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I hate that. I asked that and it's kind of a genuine question. <laughs> I know I said, I know I said Japanese, but ancient Chinese secret, huh? <laughs> uh, and this is why we have friends because they make us laugh at racism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and uh, and, and oh also, god, Godzilla's an eldritch abomination. <laughs> yeah, then uh, Jamie Chung showed up again uh, later um, when she, it, like, when they were all staying in their rooms, um, the wizards summoned horrible visions to fucking tempt them with shit, and or something. I don't even know. What the, I'm not even 100 percent sure what the purpose of this was because each one was different. In terms of the effect they elicited from the people. Because with Tick, it summoned up Jamie Chung, who is in army fatigues, and tried to stab him. So it was so it was just Tick and Jamie Chung getting into a fucking massive fist fight, destroying the room by throwing each other into furniture. For Letitia, Tick showed up in her room, and they started fucking. They took his pants off, and his dick was a snake. Because she had a stained glass window in her room of Satan with a dick snake. You know, imagery. And then George saw an image of his first wife, I'm assuming. And the two of them just had a lovely time. And then it all stopped. And everyone's like, you saw shit too, right? What the fuck happened? What is happening? Uh, yeah, like there's some discontent in the ranks of the wizards. The wizards. Yeah, because the main wizard's daughter is sick of being treated like shit because she's a woman. Oh, lovely. And like there's something again, there's there are things going on here that I'm not 100% sure on just because I'm three episodes into the show. There's a reason only white people want to go back to 1950s America. Because they're stupid. Specifically white men. Yes, because they're fucking idiots. 
like I I will all I will say this until the day I die. The past is trash. Just I I love the visual aesthetic of the past. Like old cars look neat as fuck. Old clothes on the right people they look neat as fuck. Jazz music is fucking awesome. Oh, I love jazz. I just, will sit there and just like that's the one form of music that I will sit and just listen to. Yeah. Like I don't have to be baited into listening to jazz. Yeah, just like that shit is fucking awesome. Nothing else. Just like the fucking everything was worse. Everything else was worse. It just looks pretty. Like fuck, man. It's it's this very bizarre thing where the only way I want to experience the past is in modern day with just people dressed up like they were in the past. Like just just get just get like some motherfucker in just like a sick slick ass fucking three piece suit and a just massive goddamn like proper fedora. Just get them looking like they're fucking leader of a jazz band. Just that shit. That shit just fucking goes, dude. Just like just like an old school fucking Chevy. Ah, uh, see, I, I've I've shown you a picture of my favorite car that didn't exist. I I love the sleek like bullet shaped vehicles from that from that era. Yeah. The, oh, especially um oh god, what was it um League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes. Uh, Nemo's car. Yeah, that motherfucker. <laughs> that thing was so pretty. That thing was so fucking cool. Like, I think it was made of pearl or some shit, like silver and pearl. It was so good. It was so good. Oh, Fuck the past. Yeah, the past sucks. Anyone, want, <laughs> the anyone, past wants, sucks, anyone wants to go to the past is either white or an idiot. Oh, man. This is... I kind of want to make this high-wire superhero mobile. <laughs> Just so that I can say that I have a character who drives it. <laughs> It'll end up like the spider mobile, dude. So? You'll he still has it. Yeah, you'll drive it once, then put it in a fucking museum, and then and put, it in your, and put it in your fucking garage, and then everyone come in and is like, dude, you can, you can web swing. Why do you have a car? It's actually faster. <laughs> when there's no traffic, it's faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when there is no traffic, it's faster. <laughs> I'll just mod it so that it can go up walls. That's fine. Just if there's any crime between, if there's any crime in, in like early, like between like, if, if there is a crime happening at either 8 a.m. or 4 p.m., you're fucking just swinging there. Any other day, any other time of day, you're just fucking just driving. Also for out of the city trips. <laughs> oh. We're oh, talking man. about mutants and masterminds for anybody who doesn't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Lovecraft Country. I would recommend checking vote it out. Vote in the comments for if you want us to uh, uh, stream that. Probably I've, won't happen, but I, I've been thinking about it. <laughs> I'd be up for it. I do side shit. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, I, yeah. Like I, like I said, Lovecraft Country. It is interesting. It has there's a lot of things going for it. It has a very great sense of like the horror and dread that is inherent to the premise. Uh, it is a little bit weird that, like, like I said, that like the elder sh- elder shit is the shit that makes me the least stressed out. And as a, and as a solid cast, um, 
I'm not sure who the, I, mean, I haven't seen like the main guy in anything else, but I know that it has fucking uh, Omar from The Wire in it. He plays his dad, and uh, it has uh, Journey Smollett, who folks might have recently seen as, unfortunately, the most boring version of Black Canary. Which is a shame because she's a fucking really good actress, really good singer. And she is great in this. She is actually the one that begins to have a mental breakdown first. Lovely. And that plays very well. Like, very, very well. She does a very good job at it. Ah, uh, but yeah. Love your country. It is neat. After the series is done, I'm going to be reading the book. Just to compare, I guess. Look forward to it on Book Club. <coughs> something that's probably never going to happen. Yep. <laughs> Despite my own too. Uh, yeah, I had to read. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't say you had to do it. I am one of the longest running creators on this site. I'd be the other. I'd be I the can other make friends who read books. <laughs> I read. I just haven't in a while. Because I've been forcing myself to read lately. Video games are more interesting. I'm currently reading a book called This Book is Full of Spiders. Seriously, don't open it. Then why the fuck did you open it? Because I was interested in what the spiders were doing. Never learn, Dad. Never learn. It's the sequel to John Dies at the End. And and it's the book that happens before. What the hell did I just read? I feel like I need to read these now. They are good. They're written by a guy named David Wong. Who is not? Who is not Asian? His he changed his last name to Wong because it's the most common last name in the world. <laughs> I love that. I love that logic. <laughs> That's such good logic. I love it. Yeah, and his best friend John, who changed his name, who changed his first name to John, because John's the most common name in the world. <laughs> the fuck. So they oh, couldn't this is be the found. World we live in. <laughs> this is the world we live in. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, the the dude who wrote it used to be like a long long time editor for Crack.com. Ah, that's why I know the name. John dies at the end, not the David Wong part. Yeah. They also made it into a movie and cut out, like, half of it. Fun. Yeah. Anyway, moving on from that, just all of that, I started rewatching Person of Interest. just felt like doing it that show's still really good I still don't understand why it's really good like writing wise premise wise character wise that all makes sense what doesn't make sense is this bizarre anti-charisma of our leads that somehow loose back around to being charismatic Because their two leads are Jim Caviezel and Michael Emerson. Uh, Jim Caviezel, for those who don't know, was Jesus. And then Michael Emerson, he was uh, Ben from Lost. As well as the voice of the Joker in... uh, The fucking Frank Miller one. For the life of me, God, I remember it. Remember the name of it. 
It's one where Batman puts up the power armor and punches Superman to death. Oh, that one. Oof. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so the two of them are kind of our main. The two of them are our main leads. Uh, for those who haven't seen the series, um, Michael Emerson plays Harold Finch, a man who developed a computer system that could detect, that could predict when people were going to do horrible things, like acts of violence or whatever. Um, mainly to stop terrorism because nine eleven happened. Uh, but in order to, in order for it to learn what terrorism was, it had to learn what violence was. So it also sees every other crime people could commit. And it dumps those names out, and it dumps those na- and it dumps those like names out as non-relevant uh, into like a, just a fucking um, into a it dumps out those people's ser- uh, social security numbers, and then it is up to Jim Caviezel, who plays John Reese, former CIA operative, to track them down, figure out if they are the perpetrator or the victim of this horrible crime that's about to happen, and then either prevent the crime from happening or keep that person safe. It's this really great, like, just episodic, low sci-fi concept that works super well for building out a full building out a series. And we, like I said, we spent the majority of the first season with our two leads, and both of their acting choices are very non-standard, I guess. Because Michael Emerson, he has this very pronounced limp the entire time rarely blinks delivers everything with the same kind of like just I don't even know like he puts like a half step in between like half the words he says and so it just gives this very like bizarre kind of jilted way of talking and then Jim Caviezel he has everything down this very like low like growl whisper register for nearly every line of dialogue he says and yet I find them both completely compelling. I still find them both to be like very well-written, well-rounded, interesting characters. And I enjoy the performances of both of them. It is this, this thing that I have never been able to understand since the series ended. Like they are surrounded by actors who are doing a much better job. And I still like those two the, be- like, like those two the most outside of Root. Because Root's just fun. It's just Amy Acker being a fucking lunatic. And Amy Acker's great. Just going to the second season where they have started... Where like at least in the second season, they built... They started giving the machine character. In the first season, the machine was just the machine. It would ring up with a number, then they would go solve it. And we'd see like a... We'd see things from the machine's point of view as like establishing shots. But... You know, it didn't, it didn't really have any personality behind it. Then getting into the second season, we started learning more about Harold building the machine and the machine making choices and having a level of autonomy and sentience to it and personality that it started building it as a character, which I really appreciate. It's one of the things I actually really loved about the show was just how how much the machine grew over the course of the series. And just that very interesting journey of watching a viewfinder build personality. <laughs> I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep watching. I'm gonna get through to the end again. I still really, I still really enjoy this show. Uh, this if, is good. Yeah, go ahead. 
it's good that you're still enjoying it because that it can really suck if you just stop enjoying a show. Yeah, especially one that you like you like had so much invested in. Mm-hmm. Because like I like I I came into that show originally around like season four ish when Cora started doing like the weekly reviews of it. Because for a while there, Cora was doing every week. Hey, here's a review of this week's episode of Person of Interest. Hey, here's a, here's a, here's a review of this week's episode of Agents of Shield. Corfield doesn't know is our reviews editor. Who's a nerd? <laughs> I'm kidding. He's one of my closest friends. Yeah, and he um, he kind of introduced me to Person of Interest, and I've been watching it because of him. And yeah, like this show is. It's still really good. Like it's it's a rotating cast of guest characters where they're able to like get in some really great talent in there. Like I just saw the episode they had with Jimmy Simpson. But Jimmy Simpson, fantastic fucking character actor. Or not not, not necessarily character actor. He just kinda He plays he plays a lot of people he plays very people like very similar. He has a similar energy to a lot of his characters and they're all kind of great. Yeah, I I just I really like the show. I really like the show. They also have been doing a really great job with the second season, at least, of building up this storyline that's happening in the background without ever really addressing it. Because in one of the episodes, um, someone uploads a virus into these into like the system in like this uh, like DoD server, and then the next episode. You start seeing small glitches in the machine, like it will, like it will go like a camera angle, then all of a sudden flash like a blue screen of death for like a for like a frame, and then go back to a regular shot, and then nothing for the rest of the episode. The next episode, oh, like when when they shoot, when they pull out to like this massive view of every one of its camera angles that it can see through, a couple of them are blank. And then the next episode, there's like more artifacting in the videos, and more of the screens are blank, and some of them are actually it's like flickering the blue screen again. Just they, like no one on the team actually knows what's happening because they don't have access to the machine, but something is happening to the machine and it's something that only we can see because we can see like this weird representation of the machine itself in this spread of like frames and it's really fucking cool. First Adventures is great. If you haven't watched it, check it out. It's on, it's on American Netflix. Went over there, I watched some movies. Do you want to hear about the dumb one or the feel-good one? I prefer the feel-good one. You want to save that one to the end? Fine. No, you want to hear it first? I'll tell you about it first. No, no, no. We, we can do the feel-good one. Okay. So Bill and Ted face the music. This is the third Bill and Ted movie. The first two being Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey. Yeah, this movie is just real simple, real straightforward, doesn't super care a whole lot about the rules that it set up for its own universe, and is just about bringing people together through the power of music. And it's kind of great. So for those who haven't seen Bill and Ted before, basic idea. The first movie, excellent adventure, back in the back in eighty nine, it was, it was about, a pretty decent adventure. Yeah, it was about these two like 
surfer California bros who, who didn't surf uh, getting a getting access to a time machine in order to in order to uh, finish a, in order to, like ace their history project because the people in the future revere Bill and Ted as the great ones who have saved society and united all of humanity because they wrote an amazing song. The two of them can't play instruments at the time, but they have a band called Wild Stallions. Wild Stallions. And yeah, so the, yeah, so they just uh, decide. Yeah, so they just kind of go through time, grabbing historical figures, and then bringing them to the future where shenanigans happen, and then they ace their history project. The second movie, they die. I, I actually, that's the one I saw. I didn't see the first one. <laughs> so, like, like, that's how I know Bell and Ted. Yeah, so they die, uh, go to hell, and meet Death, and eventually befriend Death, and invite Death to join their Death band. Death is a cool dude. Death is a cool dude. Death is fantastic. He is played by William Sadler, who is the bad guy in uh, Die Hard 2. And he plays Death with this, like, very bizarre, unidentifiable European accent. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, and like and like the only way to get out of hell is to beat death at a board game and death fucking sucks at every board game. He really does. It's adorable. Yeah, and then just yeah, the bogus journey is just kind of them befriending death and trying to come back to life. Then 30 years pass. Because Bill and Ted came out in tw- not 19- Bill and Ted the uh, bogus journey came out in 1991 and it has been 29 years. And now we have Bill and Ted face the music where Bill and Ted are old and washed up, have not yet written the song. And then the people from the future say, you need to write the song by 7 p.m. or all of time will be destroyed. So then they're left to the future with just a bunch of instruments and they decide the brilliant idea of grabbing their old time machine and jumping to a couple of years into their own future to a point where they've written the song and then just take the song for themselves. But because they hadn't written the song yet, the versions of themselves in the future are all bitter assholes. Lovely. So, so it is like, so it is like old Bill and Ted who are just like, you know, the same kind of like upbeat dudes, just kind of like optimistic about everything going, meeting older versions of themselves going, yo, these dudes fucking suck, dude. And then jumping to a different point in the future. Meanwhile, Bill and Ted's daughters who are also actually write the song. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking Christ. Bill and Ted. <laughs> yeah. It's not shocking. Yeah. The second this movie was announced, you knew that was what was happening. I didn't know they had children. The second you knew that they had children, you knew it was happening. Yeah. The second I knew they had children, I was like, ah, oh, they're the ones who write the song. But Bill and Ted get the credit because sexism. Uh, no, actually. So that's the thing. So the song was written by Preston and Logan. That, that's, that's what the feature knows about the song. The song was written by Preston and Logan. Oh, okay. I get it. So instead of being written by Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan, it was written by Wilhelmina Billy Logan and and uh, Theodora Thea Prescott. I get you. 
Yes, yeah, so the daughters are played by uh, Samara Weaving, who plays uh, Bill's daughter, and uh, Bridget Lundy Payne, who plays Ted's daughter. And just for reference, um, Bridget Lundy Payne identifies as transgender, uses they them pronouns, but the character they play identifies as female, based on what has been said about them in the movie. So when referring to the character, I'll be saying she, and referring to the per- actor, I'll be saying they. Just for reference. And I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I got that right. Let me quick double check on that to make sure I am not speaking out of my ass. Yes. Okay. Good. I'm not speaking out of my ass. Well, you are, but did I'm ask without articulate? That's yeah, kind of impressive. Kind of impressive. But yeah. So it's, it's, just, it's just it's just Bill and Ted just jumping to different points in time, meeting versions of themselves that are kind of dicks, going, "Yo, these dudes are dicks," then jumping further into the future. Meanwhile, their daughters are going throughout the past, trying to build a super super group out of Louis Armstrong, Jimi Hendrix, Mozart. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, Louis Armstrong, Jimi Hendrix, Mozart, um, this ancient Chinese flautist that Mozart knows about, um, and the fir- and the first person to build a drum kit, which is a like Cro-Magnon woman who made a drum kit out of animal hide and tor- tortoise shells, and then Kid Cudi shows up. And there's like, hey, Kid Cudi, want to be in our band? He's like, yeah, sure, dude. Uh, yeah, they just fucking just go to places and things happen. The movie is incredibly simple and the kind of movie that you don't you don't think about. Because again, if you think about it, it contradicts what it's up in the, what has been set up in the previous movies and also doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No. Yeah, because the movie. Like, like they set it up that the that the that the, the, uh, the Bill and Ted have until seven p.m. to write the song. With the time machine, you think that be a, they think that wouldn't be a problem, but no. Apparently, the clock never stops running in San Dimas, so they have until seven p.m., which is an hour and a half from when the movie starts, and the movie's an hour and a half long. So whenever Bill's like, how much time we got, Ted? And Ted pulls up the watch and says a minute minute amount left. That's how much time is left in the movie. Interesting. Yeah, they get out there. Uh, they, so and you they, know exactly how long until they solve it, which is approximately five minutes before the ending of the movie. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and and it's, it's a lot of just like little things. Like if you are a fan of Bill and Ted, you will see it and go, oh, I know that. Cool. And and like do it in, and they do that in like a very in a pretty fine way. The movie is just a very light, fun comedy that has a really great message of make music and be like you fucking. It, it's a movie. It's, it's a movie about fucking uniting the world through music. And we mean that literally because the ending of the movie spoilers. But uh, Bill and Ted become infinite beings that exist at all points in time at the same uh, that exist at all points in time at the same time and thus spread instruments to every person in existence so that they can all play along to the song because the song is a little bit of a nightmare because it is like baroque style because it is like it's like mozart style 
keyboard playing on a keyboard, like a modern day fucking Casio. They just weird drums, fucking Kid Cuddy's there as a hype man. There's just, there's like an ancient fucking like Chinese wood flute just on, just in the mix. Uh, Death is on bass, which a nice little touch. Uh, when Bill and Ted do like the, do like the wild stallion thing, it's just the guitars. But then when they do it with death, there's bass in it too. Which I found very funny. And then it's Bill and Ted on guitar. Meanwhile, the daughters are at the front of things just kind of saying, all right, do this. No, do it more like this. Yeah, there it is. <clears throat> Jimi Hendrix is playing rhythm. There's a trumpet from Louis Armstrong. And then the fucking girls just have like DJ. I mean, they already won. They got Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, they have DJ pads. It was like launch pads to just like play samples and shit. And then it fucking saves the world. Uh, there is one recurring joke that doesn't really work. There's a robot that the that the future people sent after Bill and Ted because there are people in the future who think the prophecy of Bill and Ted is that they die and their deaths unite the world. Because apparently the thing that unites the future isn't a historical event. It's a prophecy. Oh. Yeah, it's not like Bill and Ted just fucking like it's not like Bill it's not like fucking like Rufus came back in time and was like, ah, Bill, Ted. On this exact point in time, you will you will make this fucking amazing song. Apparently George Cronin was just like, No, I think Bill and Ted saved the future. Because of prophecy. And then everyone's like Stop Stop dissecting it, you're ruining it. <coughs> <coughs> but no, I guess she oh, says that's... she says this robot out to kill them. Uh, the robot fucking sucks. Uh, it accidentally kills is Ted's... Is it like the robots they built to play for them and the one where they die? Uh, no, this one is like a fucking... <laughs> this, this, this one looks like a Mega Man villain. Gosh, job, Mega Man. But yeah, so like he, he fires his laser and accidentally uh, disintegrates Ted's dad and Ted's dad's SWAT van. No! Don't worry, they both end up in hell. Oh. But by that I mean the dad and the van. Oh... Hey, it's cool. He's like, they get like, when when they go to leave hell with death, his dad in the van give him a ride. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the robot also ends up disintegrating. Uh, Bill and Ted's daughters, their entire band, and Kathy. Uh, I believe her name is Kathy. Um, Kristen Shaw, who plays uh, Rufus's daughter. For those of you who are interested, I oh, sorry, just picked Kelly. up my cat because she wanted attention. Yeah, Kelly, daughter of Rufus and the great leader, um, and her name is actually based on Kelly Carlin, the real-life daughter of George Carlin. That's nice. That's nice. <coughs> yeah, and so all that, like, William Sadler, he's he's back as death, and he's fucking great. Uh Alex Winter His is back. death is kind of the death that I base uh, all my shit off of in my D&D games. Yeah. Uh, Alex, Win Alex Winter is back acting for the first time in like 25 years uh, as Bill, and he hasn't lost a step. Keanu Reeves kind of has. Keanu Reeves is still awesome, though. Keanu Reeves is still awesome. He just, he just doesn't play as good a Ted anymore. He's matured. It's a shame. It's weird. Bridget Lundy Payne plays a better Ted than Keanu Reeves. 
like the mannerisms, the like the speaking, the, like the physical mannerisms, the speaking stuff. That's all fucking perfect. Excellent. Yeah, dude. And then, uh, and then like a Samara Weaving also does a great job, but because she's fucking great in everything. Uh, she's in Ready or Not. She's in uh, The Babysitter. She's in Mayhem. Great in all those fucking great in all the movies. They're making a sequel to The Babysitter. Oh my god! I just realized that there's going to be young people who don't know what the hell this is about at all, whose parents are going to make them watch this movie. Yeah. I am well, old. Well, presumably the parents making them watch this movie also made them watch the first two. You assume too much. No, I assume appropriately. Like, like there, there have been like talking, like he, listening to review, listening to interviews with uh, Keanu and Alex. Both of them had had multiple experiences of just like running into younger fans who were like, "Yo, my parents showed you, my, showed you, showed me your movies. You guys are fucking awesome." Like, Bill and Ted is kind of a generational thing. As weird as that is to say for these fucking movies. Yeah, okay. face yeah, face the music. Uh, if you get a chance to see it, I think it's probably worth it. It is a as long as, as long as you go in not expecting anything too much. I expect to rock. It kind of rocks. Really. The song the song at the end is all right. I. What's weird is like so the movie starts out with like a joke song of them. It's like, hey, we've been working on the song. We think it's the song, so let's go. And it is a like this bizarre experimental thing that involves a theremin and throat singing. Oh god. And they just like it is just switching between different instruments because they've been trying to write the song for thirty years, so they're just throwing everything they can at the wall. And I kind of really like it. Yeah, you know, they get to the end and it is just it's fine. Like it's it's an alright song. It's got some decent guitar on it. And that's about it. Obviously not the real Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> yeah, obviously not the real Jimi Hendrix. Louis Armstrong, though, he made an appearance in it. That's impressive. Yeah, really but, impressive. I mean, Louis more Louis the more the type to put in a personal appearance like that, so. Yeah, it's really impressive how they managed to age him down from dead to twenty five. Well, what are you gonna do? <laughs> Why do you feel the need to point out that Jimi Hendrix isn't the real one, but everyone else is just... Because Jimi Hendrix is a legend when it comes to playing guitar? Yes! And, like, I mean legend as in people have been trying to emulate him for years and have not been able to get the same kind of soul or sound. Whereas Louis Armstrong, people have been able to emulate the spirit and sound that he put into his music. So... It's like... You know, they, you know, they, you know what they probably did... With like other with like you know, the, like them playing the instruments is probably just the actors miming with the instrument along to archival footage, and the song is just hey here are some trumpets. I don't know. Like like they aren't actually making the song with like hey here is we we found a way to mix the genius of Mozart with the with like the ancient drumming techniques of this fucking pro magnet woman because because when she's playing her like weird drum set she's like doing this like weird like tribal drum pattern but then when they actually get into the song she's just fucking playing like snare hi-hat 
you lie. Just you're, modern you're just drumming. Put them down. You're just trying to put them down. But yeah, the movie. Cave is. women can drum. Yes, they can. It's. Oh, whatever. I'm just being silly, man. Come on, it's Bill um, and Ted. I know. You're taking it too serious. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, last thing I want to talk about. My final thing. Guns Akimbo. This movie got my radar. It got a lot of people's radar because of the behind-the-scenes images that got released that showed Daniel Radcliffe in a in a bathrobe, his underwear, giant fuzzy giant fuzzy cat slippers with two guns bolted to his hands. Yeah, that's this movie. I heard about this movie it's, <laughs> through that image. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> There's a lot of things that Daniel Radcliffe has been in recently. It like, kind of okay. And like, yeah, it's like yeah, it's okay. It's enjoyable. It's, yeah, it's, like it's a, a thing. <laughs> yeah, like uh, like horns. Swiss Army Man. Swiss Army Man. Uh, I've heard really good things about the Woman in Black. I haven't heard anything about the Woman in Black. So. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So this movie, um, Daniel Radcliffe plays. A video game developer who spends his time trolling trolls on the internet. He must. His mother must be so proud of him. And he does it all without using a VPN. What kind of idiot does that? So wait, was this just an ad for NordVPN? Uh, no, it was an ad for private internet access. Come on, keep it the brand. I don't know who we're advertising, man. You never told me. <laughs> we're advertising nobody, but I I personally use private internet access. Uh, Birdie uses my private internet access. They're a solid service. But anyway, yeah, Daniel Radcliffe, uh, he, he just fucking, he, he just goes on like chat rooms and stuff and just uses like trolling anti-troll techniques, just piss off all the trolls until they stop, until they just leave. And then they kidnap him and bolt guns to his hand, I assume. Uh, oh, yeah, a bit later. Yeah, because uh, in this world, uh, there is this um, online live streaming platform called Schism, which is like this group of people that host real life uh, death matches between different competitors and live stream them all. Cops can't find them and uh, cops can't find any anything about them because they have awesome computer wizardry. And the, the fucking live stream is open to anybody. So Daniel Radcliffe goes into one and just starts doing the same kind of shit he's been doing. But then, because he doesn't have a VPN, uh, they're able to find his local IP address. And then that leads them to his that leads them to, to his house. Where Schism then comes in, knocks the fuck out of him, and then bolts guns to his hand. And says, hey, you have 24 hours to kill this person who is a major... He killed Nix, I believe is her name, who is like the current champion of schism or whatever she, she like has the most kills out of anybody that she's interacted with and so he has these fucking pistols stapled stapled into his fucking hands each one 50 bullets and that matters yes there are other people trying to kill him uh no actually um he just nix is nix is the only one trying to kill him so it's just 50 bullets because he's a bad shot yes also, like, the gun recoil hurts his hand because he has a bolt to the center of his hand. So when he fires, the gun kicks back and hurts his hand. Which then causes him to kick back more. Bitch who doesn't know how to use a gun. 
But he also has 50 bullets because he's never fired a gun before. Like a bitch. I've never fired a gun before. Like a bitch. <laughs> ah, you fucking southerner. <laughs> I've also never fired a gun before. <laughs> you fucking bitch. Like a bitch. <laughs> oh, I was waiting for you to call me out. Yeah, and then like the entire I was expecting you I was literally expecting you to say like you've never fired a gun before and then I could be like like a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Um <sighs> yeah, so the movie is just this like massive like this prolongated chase where just Daniel Radcliffe just tries to escape with his life while getting increasingly more pissed off because he has because now he has guns taped to his hands. And then Nick's getting progressively more and more irritated that she cannot kill this guy because he somehow keeps not dying. And then just things kind of progress. Things kind of get things get actually better from there as they start getting more and more away from Daniel Radcliffe's internal monologue because his internal monologue is reads like it was written by someone who fucking bought one of those like novelty gamer dictionaries. Oh no! Yeah, really? It, yeah, it all feels just so forced and so written by committee. Like what your mom thinks gamers talk like. And it's all like showered in emojis too. I think at one point he bumps into a dude in the street and then like coins fly to him like Sonic. What? I don't know. They're just just trying to point out, yo, he's a gamer. Fucking vape nation game boy. I don't know, man. Uh. Yeah, just like as things get more and more into just this is an action movie now, they get better because the action is done with this very like very like fast paced frenetic style. Um, at certain points, it kind of reminds me of Crank, but like half of Crank. And other times, at other times, it just feels kind of like more of a regular action sequence. Uh, they actually do a pretty good job of like keeping track of the bullet, like keeping track and like making sure that Dan Radcliffe doesn't fire more bullets than he has. Cause like every time he fires the gun, it keeps track on screen. So actually makes the, actually manages to make it through the movie. Um, just like using all hundred bullets. And that's neat. I enjoyed that aspect of it at least. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know if I could actually fully recommend this movie. Just because that opening is real fucking rough. And there's honestly not a whole lot going on that you can't like parse out for yourself. It's all very simple, very kind of surface level. Just kind of here is what the movie is and then go. Which I guess you could say something for that, but it doesn't but like it. It tries to make up for it with style. and doesn't quite land with that. Style is always just the style always feels like either just off the mark or just kind of fine. Nothing like super groundbreaking, like, holy shit, that was awesome. It's kind of like, oh, cool. Or like, eh, you didn't kind of get there. I had fun watching it overall, but I don't know if I could fully recommend, recommend it. to anyone? Yeah. Like if, if, if you saw that picture of Daniel Radcliffe and was like, huh. Yeah, my attention. Maybe check it out. But other than that, just it's it's largely it's largely like 
skippable. And that's all I got. Fuck. Yeah, I haven't really been that interested in any of uh, Daniel Radcliffe's, you know, work since Harry Potter. I was mainly interested in Horns because it was based on a book by Joe Hill, who wrote Lock and Key. Yeah, I wasn't. Like, I saw the trailers, I saw the tag images, and I was like, eh. And the same thing happened with Swiss Army Man. Yeah. And the same thing happened with Guns Akimbo. Cat, your tail is under my foot. I actually tried reading Horns, and turns out Joe Hill is a better comic writer than he is a just straight prose writer, because, fuck, man. I finished being the, a writer. I finished the first 30 pages of that book and sent it back to the library. Support your local libraries, your public uh your public postage si- postal system. Support the goddamn post zoos. office. Post office is under attack right now. Support the USPS. The other service the other service can kind of be shitty with their bureaucracy, so what do you expect? They do a good service. They do a necessary service that needs to exist. Yeah, support the post office. By I don't want to specify the USPS because there are other options, but support the post office. I do not know about other. Like, I don't. I don't know about that. I just know that the USPS is currently under attack. Yeah, but like Canada has to have a postal system, right? Yes, we do, but ours isn't under attack because we recognize this. Because we recognize the necessity of it. We were conquered by an evil villain. What can I say? Well, you're conquered by an idiot. (sighs) Yeah. yeah, Who had evil villains kind of surrounding him. Yeah, we were. Vote this November. Make America better. Yep. Just please. It hasn't hasn't been great for a long time. (laughs) Make it better. Do something. On to more pleasant topics. Yes. Is that all you watched? <laughs> yes, it is. So I only try to improve my mood this week and every week because I've kind of been having issues that have maybe been coming out a little bit too much in my D&D characters. A little bit. Um, but I'm trying to work past them. I probably need to go see a shrink if I'm honest. Uh, so let's start off with... A movie I didn't know existed and am glad to have gotten to watch, if only because of how terrible it was. (laughs) The Mysterians. The Mysterians, I believe, is a Toho project uh, from, like, the 50s. It's from the Godzilla era. Yep. Uh, In which aliens send a drill-nosed robot that looks like a penguin wearing a metal battle suit and is goofy and adorable to attack earth ostensibly so that they can then intimidate Japan into giving them hot chicks to breed with and a spit of land to live on because they nuked their planet into non-existence and their race into infertility. Um, They have sorry. What? (laughs) Okay. So to slow it down, so, the Mysterians launch an alien robot attack. This alien robot eventually gets defeated by the military, and then a nipple dome appears on Japan in, like, an unoccupied area of terrain. And they say, 
we want women and land. We are we want to marry the women so their service will be voluntary. Like we aren't going to force women to come work with us. The reason that they want the land is because they have they like they they're they're they have studied fusion technology, you know, radiation, yeah, to the point where their planet is no longer habitable and they themselves are infertile. So they want to be able to breed with the women in hopes that it will allow them to continue their species. However, but they start by kidnapping random women. <laughs> their services, their service will not be coerced. They need to go willingly. Why are you trying kidnap to leave? All I do is kidnap women. you. Um. Also, also, what? Also, so wait a minute. So everyone on their planet is infertile. I'm assuming it's like reduced fertility and not just blanket. You can't have kids, and like they just don't want to fuck their women or something. I don't know. Yeah, like, like, like that is that is. I watched. The, I I, w- I will state. I watched this movie while drunk. So like, if I get details wrong, that's why. Yeah, like I'm just fucking sitting here, just thinking like, like, yo, if you're shooting blanks, it don't matter what the target is. <laughs> but if it's a hot Asian girl, I'll shoot more. Okay, you're still shooting blanks. It might not be a blank eventually. <laughs> not everyone is Brandon Lee. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so like so then the like the UN joke? gathers and they're like yeah, no, we can't let these aliens invade because that's what they're doing. They're invading. God, that was a like, terrible joke. Um, and you know they they start trying to figure out a counterattack. At which point they do the classic Godzilla movie thing of we have not studied them at all, but we somehow know all of their weaknesses. Yeah, naturally. Um, they like you. They develop the first iteration of the Mazer. You know, the weapon that they always use to fight Godzilla and it's never successful. Yeah. Um, attack the alien base. And, like, they send out one of their robots to, like, destroy one of the ways that they're using to attack. And the robot ends up beheading itself on the radar dish. <laughs> like, it still destroys the thing, but it beheads itself on the radar dish. The aliens flee... And, like, there's an ominous ending where they're just, there's a satellite still floating in space. And it's like, the Mysterian threat is over. Or is it? <laughs> and I had a lot of fun with this movie. Um, I'm assuming because like, you were drunk? Like, there are a lot of Toho regulars. What was it? I'm assuming because you were drunk? Oh, uh, no, I just enjoy these kinds of movies. Like on a reg, okay. I, I I rewatch all the old Godzilla movies for a reason. I love these kinds of movies. They're stupid. They're goofy. They're silly. They're fun. I enjoy them. <clears throat> Though the, one fun thing about the DVD I got, I bought it for Birdie for his birthday. Naturally, and I had to turn my TV volume up to maximum to hear anything. So we're thinking that they like recorded it off of an original DVD and just like the audio was that low or something like that. 
Yeah, it's entirely possible, like, just the old audio they didn't, they forgot to, like, remaster. Yeah. But it was great. It was an absolute blast. Uh, if you like the old Toho shit, go watch it. It's got some anachronisms that just do not hold up at all. But overall, it is a fun flick, and I highly recommend it. <sighs> Another fun flick that I highly recommend. So, would you believe that up until recently, I'd never seen The Great Muppet Caper? Yes, I would, because neither have I. Oh! Well, uh, my wife loves it, and we recently re-upped our Disney Plus, uh, and like she was like, oh, The Great Muppet Caper, and I was like, I've never seen that. And she was like, you've never seen the movie where Miss Piggy breaks into a rich old couple's house to pretend to be someone else? No. I mean, I've no, probably I seen haven't. that, but not The Great Muppet Caper. <laughs> I was like, no, no, I haven't. Oh, we're totally watching this. <laughs> and then we started and stopped it like six times before we finally actually sat down to watch it. Um, so the Great Muppet Caper starts with them basically doing the Muppet thing where they're like, this is a movie and here's the premise of the movie. Yeah. Fozzie Bear and Kermit are identical twins. You can only tell when they're wearing their hats. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. <laughs> so wait, so wait a minute. Like, so it's just, so it's just like, Kermit and Fozzie just stand there. It's like, hey, are two different people. And then Fozzie puts on his hat. It's like, wait, you're twins? Yeah, exactly. That is the joke. <laughs> okay. That is the joke. It is, it is just as funny as you think it is. Waka waka. And they don't overdo it. They don't overdo it, which is one of the good things about it. Um, and they are like, we're going to get a front page story. And behind them is a jewel robbery. But instead, the story they go with is twins join newspaper. <laughs> uh, so their boss is like, I'm firing you. And they're like, no, send us to England. We'll solve the murder. We'll solve the mystery, not a murder. We'll solve the mystery and get the front page scoop. Yeah, it'd be a bit, it'd be a bit rough like, to go from like just, hey, we're the Muppets. We're, we're the Muppets, y'all. Hey, can you tell that you know we're twins? How about I'm putting this heck you tell now to we're solving a murder? Yeah, no, it's just a jewel robbery. Um, and like the person who was robbed is a famous fashion designer. Um, but like their boss is like, fine, I'll ship you to London and actually like ships them in shipping crates. Yeah. <laughs> and they get thrown off the plane. <laughs> they land in London. They go to the, uh, the office of the, you know, fashion designer. Yeah. Uh, Miss Piggy is already there, convinces the fashion designer to hire her as her secretary. <clears throat> and um, then, like, the fashion designer leaves after revealing all of the evidence we need to know that her brother is a thief. Uh, and, and, like, there's literally a joke of, like, why are you telling me all this? Well, it's exposition. It has to go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kermit shows up. Miss Piggy and Kermit fall in love. Uh, Kermit thinks Miss Piggy is the rich lady. Wait, what? He doesn't yeah. know Miss Piggy? He has no idea what she looks like. He has no, I, So, are these people playing themselves, or are no, they... No, they're playing characters. Okay. They're playing characters named after themselves. Okay, that's that's what I was confused by, because like you said, like, like Kermit and Fozzie, I was like, okay, Kermit and Fozzie, and Miss Piggy, I was like, okay. Oh, Gonzo's there, too. Yeah, but then, like, Gonzo's like how would like, Kermit not know Miss Piggy? Yeah, no. In the movie, they don't know each other. Okay. Um, 
Kermit's like, they arrange to go on a dinner for an interview. Kermit's like, well, where do I pick you up? And then just like names a fancy sounding street and address. It's like 17 Richcrest or something like that. <laughs> uh, and Piggy's like, yeah, that's exactly where I live. So she breaks into this house of this British couple. <laughs> Before Kermit can get there to pick her up. Kermit and Fozzie, like, Fozzie's like, can I go on the date, too? And Kermit's like, no. Sad, Fozzie. All right, fine, you can go, but you're going to ruin my date. <laughs> Which Fozzie doesn't actually do. Fozzie does not ruin the date. If Fozzie's wearing He's the hat, Miss Piggy have a thing for him, too? Uh, no. No. Oh. Uh, Miss P- Miss Piggy can tell the difference, apparently. Um, and Kermit's wearing a different kind of hat, so... <laughs> So they have to be wearing the same hat to be recognized as twins? Yes. And I honestly, the joke doesn't come up again. <laughs> I thought only Fozzie but, had to wear the hat for them to be considered twins. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't fucking know. This movie was weird. It's a Muppets movie. Like, it's fun. I enjoy it, but it's weird. <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> back to the story at large. <laughs> Fucking Christ dead. Um, and like, there's this bit where the married, the old British married couple is still there. They're having back and a back and forth all the while. Miss Piggy is like trying to sneak through the place. Um, they eventually go to the club. Uh, Kermit like meets the real, like miss, whatever her name was. Miss, miss fashion designer. Yeah. Her jewels get stolen, but Gonzo got a picture they develop it, see it was the brother. The picture gets ruined before they can actually like finish the developing process because they're developing it in the bathroom and other people have to use it. Yeah. Um We go we go to the big reveal moment, catch the bad guy, everybody ends up happy, waka waka, it's a fun movie. It's the Muppets. Like, I don't expect well-developed characters, intricate backstories, or even really funny jokes. Yeah, what do you think this is, Bill and Ted? Like, I just expect a movie I'm going to have fun with. I laughed a lot. I enjoyed the film. Um, The bad guy was revealed in, like, the first 30 minutes. So, like, there was no anticipation. Um, We got a variety of the Muppet characters. Um, I, I, I loved it. It's it's like Muppets Most Wanted, you know. If yeah. you enjoyed that, you're gonna enjoy this. If you enjoy Muppets Treasure Island or Muppets uh, Christmas Carol, you're probably gonna enjoy this. Cause if you enjoy the Muppets, it's the Muppets. Like if you like the Muppets, you're gonna like this, and you probably like the Muppets. Cause what kind of monster doesn't like the Muppets? A monster. That's who. Exactly. And no, we're not talking about Animal. Animal loves the other Muppets. Ah! <laughs> um I God, I love the Muppets though. Like, um I've been, I've recently started watching the Muppets ABC show, and that's a weird take on the Muppets. Like that is just a weird take on the Muppets. But it's been enjoyable so far, so what what are you gonna do? Yeah. Um But the final thing that I want to talk about is the two different DuckTales. See I loved the original DuckTales. I really love the modern DuckTales. But I do have one issue with the modern DuckTales. Yes. 
they have boiled the characters down to one note. Weren't As the, in... Weren't the original characters no note? No, actually. The original characters did have character. Like, not the triplets. The triplets had no personality, so they're a vast improvement. Okay. Webby had no personality, so she's a vast improvement. Scrooge is about the same. Mrs. Beakley. Okay, actually, most of the characters are improvements. But the ones that I'm thinking of are Launchpad and Gyro. Gyro Gearloose. Gyro Gearloose was just this bumbling inventor in the original one, but he wasn't, like, insane. Ah. Uh-huh. Whereas the current Gyro Gearloose is fucking batshit. <laughs> and I don't think anybody would disagree with me on that. Um, the original Launchpad wasn't an idiot. He just crashed planes a lot. Whereas this version is an idiot with a samurai backstory. Yeah, he is this, like... I want the Launchpad episode so badly! <laughs> like, oh my god, it makes me so angry every time I'm re-watching and we get to one of the episodes where Launchpad is like, Alright guys, I'm gonna go and do my own thing. I will save you, my Lee. And I'm just like, motherfucker, I want your episode. <laughs> Not that the episode we're watching is bad. I want both. Yeah, man, fuck. I I really enjoyed DuckTales. I, I, I never I'm got... really, really hoping that like DuckTales is, acts as a launching platform for, like... Darkwing Duck? No, all of the old shows. Ah. Because they keep referencing Tailspin. Like... Just in the areas that they are, like, talking about going to and shit. And I'm like, oh, I want some Tailspin. That'd be great. Yeah, I <laughs> am not 100% on if they'd be able to do that. Why not? Like, even within Disney itself, there might be some, like, legal thing of going, like, of grabbing, like, Baloo and Sheer Khan. Mmm, True. It would suck if they couldn't do Tailspin. But they can do DuckTales. They can do... Uh, well, they're, they're already doing DuckTales. But they can do Darkwing Duck, uh-huh. which might lead to the Mighty Ducks cartoon getting a renewal. <laughs> awesome, but probably unlikely. Because I'm, like, one of the few people who really enjoyed that show. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, I genuinely love DuckTales. Du- not DuckTales. God damn it. The Mighty Ducks. I genuinely enjoy the Mighty Ducks. Yeah, it's cool. I was Ducks one of the, rock. I was one of the guys who liked Lunatics Unleashed. Lunatics Unleashed was fun. It was fine. It was fun. It was a superhero show based with our characters. It was enjoyable. I kind of liked. I liked the fact that they gave uh, the Wiley Coyote character a healing factor. <laughs> yeah. He just constantly oh, explode. Lunatics Unleashed was fun. Just constantly explode over and over again, and just dissolve into nothing, and then come back fine. Um. Oh man, I need to fucking catch up on Ducktales. Ducktales is great. It's absolutely. It's so much fun. Yeah, I think um, I, I think I got like a couple of episodes into season two, and then kind of fell off of it. Yeah, uh, I have watched with I, I, we we first we were originally watching it with Birdie, um, and only recently got like re-upped Disney Plus. So like we're watching it. We watched the whole series over again. And we're finally catching up to the point where we were. I don't want to say anything because it feels like every fucking episode, like from the start of season two onward, is like, hey, if you watched this far, you are now in spoiler territory for everyone who hasn't. Yeah, it's weird. Like, DuckTales, they, 
that first season is like largely episodic with like the setup of this larger story, and then from there it just kind of goes into a modern cartoon. Yeah, it's it's absolutely wonderful, but god damn it, I can't talk about it because I don't want to spoil it for you. Hey, fine, I'm fine, whatever. Okay, so I'll end up spoiling it for myself. I literally had the entire the, the entirety of every episode description up in front of me while we were talking about it. So the overarching mystery of the first season was what happened to Della, Della Duck? Duck? Yeah. Um Della, for those who don't know, is the mother of the triplets. Yeah. Who dis- who just disappears in the original version. Like, she just doesn't exist in the original version. <laughs> like, nobody even cares yeah. about Della Duck in the original. Yeah, but in this one, she is... But in this one, she was she was described as essentially being the third member of the fucking Duck family three-man party. Yeah, and I actually boiled them down. Um, so, all of them have, like, original iterations. Like, they all can be, like, reduced to, like, elements that they would have been as children. Yeah. So, you've got the uh, overly excitable, overly energetic one who's willing to try anything, take risks, and possibly get themselves killed. That is Dewey? That is Dewey, and also Scrooge. I would, have said, got the, I would have said Della, because like Scrooge is specifically the money. Mm, Della is a woodchuck. Oh, yes. Della so, okay. is the highly knowledgeable okay, one. Yeah, she's Huey. And the one who reacts rationally to danger, <laughs> but still ultimately is the root solution to a lot of the danger just by his native being somehow solving the problem. In one case, flying into a rage and smashing things. In the other case, talking their way around problems is Louie. It's weird. It's weird like seeing the same role filled in both parties by a barbarian and a bard, respectively. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I love I love doing that. And obviously, Webby is Mrs. Beakley. Just she joined the group earlier in this iteration. Yeah. It's also kind of great they give like a canonical reason for why Scrooge, is, for, sorry, for why Donald is so angry all the time. Yeah, yeah, and ju- it just, oh. just this weird like. My they, favorite episode so far the is the. Uh, yeah, they kind of did, but my favorite episode so far is the uh, Shadow uh, World two parter. That is such a good episode. <laughs> uh, but I, I kind spell. of love that they've given Webby a trio, too. Um, like they introduce this, they introduce this like Sparrow character and like, she like bring Lena back. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they they do, they do bring Lena back. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's great. Oh, uh, another thing that's kind of great. Um, canonically again, Donald Duck sounds like Don Cheadle. Yeah. Yeah. He just can't understand him because he's got this like Speech weird impediment. lisp thing going on. Yeah, and he, he, has the, he has the equivalent of a lisp in duck speak, but then he gets like a chip down his throat that fixes it and he just talks like Don Cheadle. Yeah. And it's so short lived. Yeah, I think it's like uh, I think it's like one episode, two episodes. It's it's for the shadow world the shadow battle two parter. Yeah, he, he gets it down his throat and then to all of a sudden becomes a competent leader, and then as they get toward the end battle, <laughs> and, and he just it, coughs it up. Like, 
My, my favorite thing is, um, at one point, the triplets are like, ducks don't back down. And minutes later, Donald is like, ducks don't back down. And I'm like, have you been saying that the entire time? I think that's a, I think that's a direct quote from Mrs. Beakley. Uh, no, it's supposed to be like the family motto. No, 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 no I, don't, I don't mean the ducks don't back down. I mean... Like Donald says something inspiring and fucking fucking awesome, and then she's like, "Yeah, no, we're talking no, like that like, the entire she, time." Yeah, she's been like, "Have you been talking about that the entire time?" And the triplet special is like one of them says, I, "I've never heard that motto before," and I'm like, "Has he been saying that the entire time? Has every time there been a panicked situation and he's tried to like be inspirational only to go, oh, they didn't understand me? Has he been saying shit like ducks don't back down? Is that <laughs> Donald's motto?" <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That oh god. There's so many layers. It's also, and that's why it's ultimately better than the original is that there is depth and layers to all of the characters. Yeah, fuck. I one thing that's one thing that stuck with me that I really have enjoyed and I do not fully grasp why is just the relationship between Donald and Storkules. Oh, I love Storkules cuz he's such an annoying character. He's such an annoying character, but he's so earnest. Yeah. He just wants to be Donald's friend. Yeah, just he, just best he, friend Donald. Yes, yeah, this is gonna be an inside. This is gonna be an inside cut for fucking nobody but us. But Storkules has real strong Kenpachi energy. Yeah, because he is reliable. He wants to help, but he is just so fucking extra. Yeah. Huh. Shit. <laughs> Yeah, no, like, that is an apt description of Kenpachi. And then Rocky is Launchpad if Launchpad didn't know how to fly. So Rocky is Launchpad if his talent was somehow actually making his nonsense convincing. If his talent was nothing. (laughs) Hi, James. Love you, buddy. (laughs) You hate him so much. Oh, so does that make Salazar Scrooge? Yeah, that makes Salazar Scrooge. Of course, yeah, of course it does. <laughs> See, now I need to have you go up against Zeus at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and just beat him utterly and completely. Just trash uh, him. Then you're like, I just want to go home. <laughs> it's just, just as the as the as the, as the thing progresses, he just like starts getting more and more Scottish. <laughs> Like, oh, what are you doing to me, Zeus, you fucking bastard? And then everybody's like, Dane? <laughs> Who are you calling oh. short? <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, man. Uh, and I'll, you know, oh. like, like, a large part of, like, why... A large part of the depth that was added to the show comes a lot from the voice actors. Oh, yeah, no, the, the voice acting cast is great. Yeah, like a, And I think it's pretty good in the original. Again, the triplets suffer. Yeah, the triplets suffer because um, they're fucking, no one gave a shit about them. Yeah, they weren't really characters in the original. And yeah, they in this were, one, they've been giving such, such depth. Like, I don't think we've had a single episode that wasn't focused on, like, that at least didn't have one of the triplets in the main, like, skew of things. Yeah, just uh, for... To give everyone their props, um, Scrooge McDuck's voiced by David Tennant. Uh, Huey, Absolutely amazing. Yeah, Huey, Dewey, and Louie are voiced by Danny Putty. Danny Putty, I'm not sure how to pronounce that last name. Uh, ben Schwartz and Bobby Moynihan, respectively. 
absolutely wonderful in their roles because they um, give them each an identity. Like, yeah, I even like Dewey, who I hated at first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and I relate to Louis. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kate Micucci as Webby. Uh, Beck, it was great and yeah, much better. Beck Bennett as Launchpad McQuack. Um, I am going to butcher I'm this a name. Pilot. Yeah, I am going to butcher this name, and I greatly apologize. Um, Tox Olagundoye as Mrs. Beakley. She's a lot of fun. She's a lot of Both fun. Both the voice and the character of Mrs. Beakley. Yeah, like, like especially change- when she realizes how competent Donald is. Yeah, like changing her from like this old like fuzzy just like oh, I'm a maid to just to basically just like a secretary. Agent twenty two. Yeah. Twenty two. Twenty two. <laughs> yeah, Agent twenty two. That was great. And then um, Tony Anselmo was Donald. Yeah, also great. Yeah, they except all- for that time he was Don Cheadle. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Special special shout out to Don Cheadle. Oh, and um, like Della Duck played by Patrick Brewster. Yeah, Della's the one that needs to grow on me because I haven't gotten to be around her for very long. Well, yeah, she's only been so here for like I'm a season. Sure she's only been I, here for like a yeah. season and a half. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about her yet. Yeah, um, and then you know, also just calling out to the rest of the fucking cast, like that was just kind of the main core group. But there are so many fucking amazing voice actors that, that there are so show up throughout the rest of the series. Actors. Um, the Beagle Boys are a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, Glomgold is great. Hey, Glomgold. There is only one character that I actively am just like, yeah, I could take less of them. Now, who is that? Mark Beeks. Right. Yeah. The fucking. Uh, fucking he is. He Zuckerberg. is a. Hip young tech billionaire written by a fifty-year-old who doesn't understand how young people act. Yeah, it's like yeah, just just like he just fucking sits down, sits down, looks at like a TikTok or whatever, and then just goes, "I know, I can write people like this." Yeah, <laughs> just I got it. Just, just all I, that's all I need. Just, He's just, just, look. so annoying and overbearing. Yeah, he watched the Social Network once and then just writes all CEOs like that. And also, obviously, a villain. He is a bad guy. Yeah, um, of course he is. Let's see who else? What other villains have been? Oh, uh, Gizmo Duck has been great so far. <laughs> He's been so much fun. And I like that they added the Hispanic aspect to him, and like, ma- like gave us his mom. Like, they've really expanded all the characters in this show, and it's so good. Mm-hmm. It is so good what they've done for a lot of these characters. Yeah. Um, oh, this is something that I've been asking uh, people. Which triplet do you relate to? Oh. If you had to step into one of their shoes, who do you think you would pick? See, I have I have one in my head that I think you'll say, and one in my head that I think you are. So, I'm trying to think, and like, of the three of them, some weird, like, fly style mixture of Huey and Louie. See, I figured you would say Louie, and I would pick Louie for you. 
Yeah, like I was thinking Louis too, but like I like yeah, I'm I'm fairly apathetic, but I'm not that apathetic. I'm also not that greedy. It's more for the quick thinking, able to like solve problems through talking, and the abject terror at actually encountering genuine danger. <laughs> yeah, but here's the other thing. I also really like rule books. <laughs> like I've, everything we need is in the guide. Like I was a Boy Scout. I didn't know that about you. Yeah, I had a full sash. Nice. I couldn't afford to sign up. Oh. Yeah, I actually bought one of the Boy Scout handbooks and taught myself everything I would need to earn. Like, what's the lowest level of Scout? A cub. Yeah, I taught myself everything I needed to know to learn to earn all the Cub Scout badges. Yeah, I was I was a Cub Scout who went camping once and then I quit. <laughs> Full sash. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You need to go camping once to get that fucking sash complete. After that, fuck them. You see, you see what I mean by a good combo, of Huey and Louie? Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I, I'm probably most like Huey, given just the mountain of useless shit I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I were to assign classes to the triplets, they'd all be fucking rogues, just different types. <laughs> like, Louie would be a mastermind rogue. Like, Dewey would be, like, probably, like, a swashbuckler. And Huey would be, like, a thief rogue just because he knows how to deal with all that shit. He doesn't want to because it's breaking the rules. But he can. <laughs> hmm. Like, Huey's I, the I, least rogue of them all. Like, I see what you mean by but, I see what you mean by rogue, but I would put it more, like, Louie would be... Let me be inquisitive. He's very good at reading people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, see, I gave him Masterman because that's like the most thiefy one, though. Yeah, but he doesn't really... I could see inquisitive for for Huey because he dissects the scenes a lot. I was thinking something like... I was thinking either like Mastermind or like an Eldritch... Or like a fucking uh, Arcane Trickster for uh, Huey because like just he has so much fucking knowledge. Yeah, he, do, he does usually have a solution to the problem, and it's quite often in the form of something he's pulling out of a mysterious book. Yeah. <laughs> Dewey, though, Swashbuckler, definitely. Yeah, yeah, no. Dewey <laughs> is just like, luck and guile, yeah, luck and guile. <laughs> yeah, Dewey, he's trying to be Errol Flynn without ever having heard of Errol Flynn. <laughs> Dewey tonight. <laughs> I love the shorts. I love the shorts because they give us like insight into what's going on in their lives outside of the major adventures. Yeah. Except for that four-part short called The Slowest Trap. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally slowly gathering together a team to escape the world's slowest trap. Yeah, so I, I, I gathered. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> it's the endless aid of DuckTales. Ugh. <sighs> Oh man, but yeah, that's that's what I've been watching. Um, Alrighty. Oh wait, one thing. Uh, dick joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, that's another what we're watching. Then on the news, and the only real news you have this week is fairly serious and very sad. 
Which makes it hard for a show like us to comment on it. Yeah, you've listened to this entire show so far. I mean, it was just one big dick joke. <laughs> that was for Caveman. <laughs> so clarify before we do get serious. You mean one joke about a big dick or one big joke about a dick? One big joke about a dick. Okay. So. Let me just pull up the information on this way. I'm getting all of my facts straight. So, on August 28th, 2020, uh, Chadwick Boseman uh, unfortunately passed away after a four-year-long battle with colon cancer. Uh, diagnosed in 2016, uh, Boseman had never spoken about his um, about his cancer diagnosis. Um, but while undergoing treatment, he also continued working, continued putting out uh, these movies, he made Civil War and Black Panther and the Avengers stuff while dealing with cancer. The man was a hero because he didn't just make those movies. He went to visit sick kids in hospitals to encourage them to keep fighting. Yeah, a, a, a clip that started going around not long after he had passed was a clip of him talking at a press event specifically about a interaction that he'd been he'd been having with a young boy who was super excited to see Black Panther but unfortunately lost the battle with cancer before he got a chance to see it the man was a hero and deserves to be remembered as such yes um Boseman passed away at home with his wife and family by his side our deepest condolences to the Boseman family and anyone else affected by this this has been this was a shocking bit of news that I honestly didn't believe at first just because it was this sudden just all of a sudden here here you got this fucking fantastic actor who was like enjoying the like high like the highest points of his career and then just all of a sudden gone Uh, so before we move on with our regular rest of the show, uh, we just like to have a moment of silence for Mr. Bozeman. We will be dearly missed. Uh, feel and like it would be more appropriate for our show to end that moment of silence with a fart joke or something. Yeah. Speaking of fart jokes, the mutants came out. <laughs> Fucking finally after three goddamn years. And apparently it's not very good. That's a real shame because the trailer looks interesting. The trailer looks so fucking cool. And we had our first goddamn superhero horror movie. And then it fucking comes out, and it turns out it's just kind of... It's poop. Yeah, Birdie and I have been messaging each other about it pretty much since, like, since it was, like, since it came out. And, like, the, like, the reviews started coming out. And it's just... When something comes out after fucking just, like, this much delay, 
it needs to either be great or terrible. The worst thing it can be is eh. Like that, with this level of build-up, with this level of fucking reshoots and studio fuckery and all this other shit behind it, it needs to be something substantive. It needs to feel like a thing happened. And not just a wet fart. Yeah, it's... You want this movie You want this movie to either be like fucking walking into your apartment and having a surprise birthday party or like a fart in an elevator. <laughs> so far, this feels like a fart on an empty street. <laughs> just granny crop, crop dusting past a few neighbors. No, not even past the neighbors. Everyone's asleep. It's just some dude walking around at 3 a.m. just fucking busting ass in the middle of a fucking, in the middle of a fucking street with no one in it. Uh, uh, oh oh man i need to come i need i need to use that analogy (laughs) in in my life just for something that nobody's really going to notice but would be a pain if you had to deal with it's like some asshole farting in the middle of the street at 2 a.m yeah just (laughs) just it's like you're going it's like you're going for a run and then you and you think you farted but you're not sure Like that sound. That sound was either like that. The sound was either like uh, like the rubber on your shoe gripping something weird, or just you farted and you're not sure. Oh god, I am so hungry right now. I have I have two pizzas sitting next to me that I'm gonna be fucking devouring once we're done. Oh, I haven't eaten since three a.m. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I slept and then I woke up and I was like, shit! I didn't have time to eat before recording. And eat in your sleep. I haven't learned that skill yet. To fucking I work can on with it. my eyes open, but. I'm still working on eating in my sleep. Work on it. Just get like just get like some dry foods, put them on your pillow, and then just go from there. Box the cereal. Who needs to break their fast when you have breakfast in your dreams? I'd I'd, I'd worry about cereal. Like cereal fucking gets everywhere. <laughs> Maybe start with like a granola bar. Oh God, no. Oh. Or something, uh, something equivalent, something, something that is dry and like will keep its form. Ugh, granola bar. Okay, fine. What the fuck do you eat then? Rice Krispie Street. <laughs> okay, yeah, just put a fuck, just put, a, just put a fucking tray of Rice Krispie treats on your fucking, your fucking bed. <laughs> oh no, I'll just put a cake next to my head. Problem solved. You want to get icing in your bed, dude? I don't ice my cakes. That would be way too much sugar. The fuck. You just eat dry cake? My cakes are not dry. They are moist and delicious. (laughs) (laughs) I love that we go from, we're going to have a moment of silence, to, my cakes are moist and delicious. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously, if your cakes are dry, you're overbaking them. You need to pull them out a few minutes earlier. No, no, I mean, like, it's, it's not a matter of, like, it comes out of the oven dry. It's, if I leave it open, then it dries. Yeah, no, my cakes stay moist for, like, a while. Because, well, A, I have a container that I put over them. Yeah, exactly. But B, they also aren't dried out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't, you're, unless, unless you're going to fucking, like, teach yourself to, in your sleep, open the container to get the food to eat. Well, I eventually have to. No, you don't. I eventually have to get to the point where I'm cooking in my sleep. Come on, man. Yeah, if you're a fucking, if you're fucking casual. You gotta be like me. Go I'm f- not pre-prepping lasagna. You don't pre-prep anything. You go raw, dude. Oh, oh, savage. 
goddamn right I am. Have you never, have you never woken up in the middle of the night and found a fucking and found a fucking like three uncooked sheets of fucking fucking lasagna pasta in your mouth? <laughs> if you haven't done that, then you're not on my fucking level yet. <laughs> oh, this is the podcast you're listening to, people. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Does anything come out this week? I have no idea. Okay. A Christopher Nolan movie comes out this week. Tenet. The fucking... Oh, yeah, that movie. The bizarre-ass time travel on advertising one. Itself. Yeah, the movie that I am still not 100% sure what it's about. Just, I... Like, it's the only ad I've seen for a while on my YouTube. It's trippy. Yeah, I, I just kind of want people to just, just I, I, put movies out on fucking streaming just already. God damn it! Movie theaters are still shit right now. The movie theaters will always be shit, but things are still bad right now. Just put it out, goddamn streaming, you fucking cowards, fucking casuals. Ugh. Yeah, so Tenet comes out this week, and then, from the looks of it, that's about it for a while. Uh, nah, no, man. At least something's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either, man. Yeah, man. I, God. It's, it's a hard time. Like, honestly, I doubt anybody would blame us if we had just taken this fucking year off. Yeah, I'm dead. <laughs> And I'm Cave. We'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Have a wonderful time. Yeah,